You're listening to The Interrobang Room, a podcast that challenges individuals to be passionately curious. My name is Douglas Witherup, and I'm the senior pastor to the Multiply family of churches. Join us as I sit down with industry leaders as we laugh, converse, and sometimes debate our way through how to approach life with a spirit of discovery and adventure. This is the Interrobang Room. I'm your host, Douglas Witherup. I'm here with Jonathan Hernandez and Zachary Witt. It's the podcast where we use our full first names. (laughs) Also, we may not have any special talent, but we are passionately curious. Today, we're going to be talking about the power of synthesis. The power of synthesis. So what is it? Why don't we do it? And how, if you recover this in your life, could actually be a key to unlocking creativity at a deeper and higher level than you've experienced before. There was a movie several years ago. They've remade it through the decades, but Sherlock Holmes, it's the uh, most recent remake of Sherlock Holmes. And there's a scene in that movie that I often point to that it's a picture of Sherlock in his uh area where he's got all of his clues and and he's got pictures behind him and newspaper clippings and he's got them pinned up on a on a board so it's this clue this name this file and all of these clues were available to every police officer every detective no there's there's nothing hidden he doesn't have a bit of information that is new information and that's not available to everybody that's working on these cases. The difference in how he approaches the case and why he's able to solve the case is that he doesn't just look at the clues as segmented and separate incidents, but there's there's actually string. And he's got a string running from a newspaper article to a picture, to a date, to a different, and it's covered. See the power, the power there. He's able to solve the case because of the power of connection or the power of synthesis. See, our brains are most alert when they're trying to make sense of things or solve puzzles. And, and what happens is that this plays out in two ways. Uh, Your brain is created, the way that your brain is hardwired is that it does a couple of things really well. It analyzes things and it synthesizes things. So think of it this way. Analysis is when you're trying to make sense of things. Analysis is when you're taking things apart. Analysis is when you were a kid and you had the transistor radio and you wanted to know how that thing works. And so you unscrew that transistor radio and you're taking it apart. In terms of putting together a puzzle, think of it this way. The analysis part of putting together a puzzle is laying out all the pieces. It's dumping out all the pieces. It's turning all of the pieces over so they're facing upright. It's uh, putting pieces together of light color in, in one particular area. It's setting your corner pieces apart. It's taking all the straight edges. So analysis is the separation. Synthesis is when you flip the box over and you see the big picture. 
So synthesis is going from looking at little pieces to looking at the big picture and beginning to connect things. Here's the, here's the problem. So um, we are filming, we are recording this episode. We are now like in week six of shelter at home quarantine during the middle of the 2020 COVID-19 uh, crisis, the COVID-19 pandemic. And here's my little bit of an analysis on where we're at as a society. So we've never, we have not in modern times, guys, we have not done synthesis well. And there's two reasons for that. One made itself very evident pre-COVID. And the other, I would argue, is the, is going, uh, we're experiencing this in real time. So the reason we don't synthesize well is first of all, we're hurried. We're hurried. We talked about that in last week's episode. We're just the pace of our lives is very frantic. We live with very little margin. And when you live a hurried lifestyle, you don't even have time to synthesize things in your life. The second, which I would argue is probably where we are at, where most people are at as a society today, is that we're distracted. We're distracted. I love this quote. The superpower of the 21st century will be the ability to focus. Um, in honor today, today our recording day is May the 4th. Yes. In honor of May the 4th, <laughs> I'll throw out this quote that your focus determines your reality. Your focus determines your reality from, of course, the Star Wars character, Zach. Uh, I don't know. John. I think it's it's not Yoda because he would have said it differently. Right. So was it Obi Wan? It's got to be Obi, maybe. No, it is Qui Gon Jinn. Oh, did you Google that or did you know that it came up in the Insta story? Of <laughs> uh, I couldn't if there were ninety eight Star Wars characters lined up in front of me right now, and you were to say, "Here's a million dollars if you point out Qui Gon Jinn." Actually, if there were four Star Wars characters, <laughs> I may not be able to point out Qui-Gon And if Qui -Gon three of Jinn. them were human, I still, I still <laughs> wouldn't be able to point out. See, I didn't even know that. I didn't know that Qui-Gon Jinn apparently is not a human. I I'm guessing. My, oh. my boys who are recent Star Wars fans would be ashamed of all of us right now. <laughs> I'm sure they could tell us. We just went from deep intellectual <laughs> conversation. We got distracted. To... <laughs> to you, to Qui Gon Jinn. So let me give you let me give you two more minutes. This this background is very important before before Zach and John begin to entertain us with the way we solve this thing. So here's what we tend to tend to do. I would say we tend to do two two things. We tend tend to either overanalyze. Um, so some of you some of you are overanalyzers by nature. And what this can do is it leads to, down, down the dark path, this leads to fear, it leads to anxiety, and it leads to worry. This is where you write the movie script of the worst case scenario, you cast yourself as the lead character, you record this on the DVR of your mind, and you play it on repeat like it's your favorite episode of The Office. So this over-analysis of worst case scenario. So I don't want to do that because that leads to fear and I worry and I get anxious. So my the way that I solve that then is I, I try to distract myself. So this is this looks like endless scrolling on your phone. 
This looks like Netflix. This looks like noise. Basically, whatever you can do to avoid going into over-analysis. The problem in all of this, fellas, is that we are missing synthesis. Mm. And if synthesis is the key to creativity, then we are, we are missing a big part of this. And, and so we get synthesis in our lives through, through three things, through sleep, through play, and through reflection, through sleep, through play, and through refle- reflection. Those, that is how our brains go into synthesis mode. We're going to do this in three parts, and we're going to talk about play um, Next week, we're going to talk about reflection the week after that. But let's talk a little bit about sleep. John, there's actually a lot that goes into this idea that sleep and creativity are closely linked. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, not to nerd out too much. I, I, we'll get a little nerdy and then back up practically. But uh, the way that the brain works is it works off of waves. So you have delta waves, theta waves, uh, alpha waves, beta waves, gamma waves, right? So your de- your delta waves is the slowest brain wave activity. This is when you're in your deepest form of sleep. This actual sleep state is dreamless, right? So nothing's happening in the brain. Uh, your theta waves, which are like between three and eight uh, hertz, that that occurs in sleep when when you have your deepest uh, sl- state of sleep, but your brain is active and working to some degree. They've seen this not just in sleep. Some of the deepest forms of meditation can actually spark these waves. And then alpha waves are present when the brain is idling. So this is where I want to sit a little bit because that word idling may help, right? So when you're sitting in a car and you turn it on, at the point you turn the car on, that idling state, you have the full potential of the car waiting direction. Right. Makes so sense. the minute you hit the gas, you already start the the, the task, the, the the act of moving in the direction you set out. Mm. This is the point where the brain is the most creative. This is the point where, in this this um, this alpha and beta state here, where the the brain is the most ready to take new direction. This is where a lot of people. Uh, come up with ideas. So the way that the creative works, technically, a lot of people would say, well, where do ideas come from? Most creatives would tell you that when they break it down, although they may be inspired or sparked by something external, ideas start internal. And science would tell you that the brain working at that alpha state is where the creative juices start to flow. Thomas Edison is famous for falling asleep with a pair of uh, steel uh, uh, cylinders in his hand that he would place and, and right uh, below his hand, he would place a steel plate. And the moment his brain went to that place, because right as you step into the alpha uh, wave, your, your body goes into a state where the muscles start to relax. The balls would fall, hitting the steel plate, waking him up. Mm. And he would have a pen and a journal. Actually, he kept the secret for quite a bit un- until later on in his life where some of his assistants who were forced to actually sit there and wait for him to wake up out of the state because this is where his best ideas come from. So really what we find is, to make a long story short, the best that we are creatively is when we are the most at rest. So um, like... With sleep, one of the things that I'm learning is when you talk to creatives, they're like, "Well, I, you know, I don't, I don't sleep well," or 
Um, I'm up to all hours of the night, but then you find out that they sleep most of the day, right? So regardless what the sleep habit, what we find is the most creative artists are those who actually have the most rest. Thomas Edison, again, famous for taking one hour power naps sporadically throughout the day underneath his desk because he knew that the more his brain was rested, the more he can find that alpha place in his head, uh, the better he was with the spark of energy, those creative juices that we talk about. So, I mean, it's it's fascinating the way the brain works, specifically when it comes to creativity and sleep. That's absolutely fascinating. So, so that state right before sleep, I fall asleep on the couch just about every night, and my wife tells me that I start to go into this jerk thing because <laughs> <Yes. laughs> she, yes. she gets a little irritated <laughs> yes. about because I disturb her in that. But I can tell her now, baby, I'm just being yeah. creative. I will, I will also tell you that just uh, on that note, again. You hear that, Camden? <laughs> it's my creative time. <laughs> I think we got a show title, creative time. Um, but I think one of the things we got to keep in mind just practically is what are we doing as we step into that sleep space. I think televisions on during this time is kind of ruined some Mm. of this for us, right? So like, you don't remember the last thing you did before you fell asleep. That's just the nature of humanity, right? But if your brain is preoccupied, it takes longer to A, find that space. And then that space, again, the car idling, once you choose a direction, that's the way the brain is navigating. That's why a lot of times, I don't know if you noticed this, but if you've ever struggled with a problem, when you go to sleep, you'll dream about that problem, right? Yeah. Because the brain, again, is in, even in its relaxed state, is trying to figure out the direction that you've already sent the car. Mm. So again, we're talking about the power of synthesis. What is it? Why don't we do it? And how can we recover it? Not only recover it, but really tap into its power to unlock creativity at a deeper level in our lives. And the way that our brains are wired, we synthesize through sleep, through play, and through reflection. Zach, we came across this idea that we'd never heard of before um, that if you ask somebody in the 21st century, they'd be like, what are you talking about? If you ask somebody from pick a time period in history before us, they'd be like, of, of course. Yeah. Um, but it's this idea of second sleep. What What is that and how does that work? Yeah, and before I even go into it, I think you almost see it in what John was explaining with Edison. Yeah. Uh, so this idea was, um, this historian Roger Eckert in 19, early 1990s um, he came across this kind of just going through patterns of history. And one of those patterns being sleep. And, and this idea of second sleep is that individuals would fall asleep when the sun went down, believe it or not. <laughs> they, they, would, they wouldn't stay up because that was a common thing. Sun, right. sun went down. Well, no, no uh, electricity. No, no electricity, yeah, so, no streetlights. Exactly. So, no so, ball games are on, no television. Right. No, re- you're not. You can't read. Yeah. yeah. So sun, go, sun goes down, people go to sleep. Uh, and then what individuals w- would find is they would sleep for four to five hours, wake up, and then have some of the most creative time, kind of what you were pointing yeah. to, John, uh, for about an hour to two hours. So you have uh, creativity, you have um, people being productive, you have people being more alert, and then they would go back to sleep. Um, in, in a personal sense, uh, I had the opportunity to live in Tanzania for a summer, and we lived in a tribe out in the middle of nowhere, and no lights, no nothing. So our light was the sun. Sun goes down, we go to sleep. Sun comes up, we would wake up. And, and even as we were kind of researching this, it made me think about 
some of those times, but I would remember waking up. I don't know if it was because I was scared of like this lion that might have been outside <laughs> the tent or not, or an elephant. Uh, but I would wake up, and most of us would, and, and that you would see us with our headlamps, kind of journaling. So thinking back to that time, right? Maybe that was when we were just a little creative. But uh, there's an author and pastor that, that does this really well. His name's Mark Batterson. And some of us know Mark, and and what he says is he wakes up early in the morning, and, and then he'll get up and he'll go in and, and he'll journal and write, and then about midday he'll go take a power nap, so to speak. Right. And he'll sleep for maybe an hour or two, really no, no alarm, just kind of take a nap, wake up. And then he will be as creative as he was that first part of the morning. And what he says is he feels like he gets two full days of work in one day because he's able to kind of take, um, take advantage of that, that idea of second sleep. And, and I think one thing that we have to realize is this, is that sleep isn't laziness. Right. Sleep is holistic. Right. Yeah. So when you when you were talking about John, um, individuals that were saying, you know, um, they're they're creatives that they don't sleep, they just sleep at different points of the day. Yeah. That doesn't mean that they're lazy. Exactly. Um, so I think that when we look at sleep and this, this idea and this concept, we have to understand uh, the power of it. Came across this article um, in 2015. Two researchers they were independent of one another, but they were kind of doing similar studies. Um, they found that sleep allows the brain to get rid of, of waste, so to speak. Uh, so, so pause there, Zach, because yeah. this, this is fascinating, and I can't remember where I had read that, but it, it is, I love that, and I want to hit on that. But I want to I just talk a little bit more about this idea of, of second sleep yeah. and maybe throw out a little bit of a challenge to our listeners because we've got listeners that, look, y'all don't have anything else to do right now. Um, <laughs> you're... <laughs> You're on lockdown. So I would just, I would love to hear some personal stories of does second sleep work? Does it work? So when they did this study, it took, I forget how many weeks um, to get into this cycle. I think it was like a week. Uh, for, so it's going to take you, you're not going to be able to just say, all right, I'm used to staying up till midnight and now I'm going to go to bed at 8.30 when the sun goes down tonight or 8 o'clock when the sun goes down tonight. It's going to take you a week. But here would be my challenge. Try this, and we'll have you on the show if you're interesting, and we'll ask you <laughs> questions about like did this did this work? Try the second sleep thing, thing. So so put your alarm clocks away. Go to bed when the when it gets dark. Sleep for four or five hours. You'll you'll naturally wake up. Get up for about an hour. Um, uh, read your Bible. Write. Be creative. Journal. You know, there's different activities. Go back to sleep. Sleep for another four hours and get up when the sun comes up. We'd love to hear about it. There's the challenge. So um, now jump into this idea of how your brain, what your brain does when you're sleeping. Yeah, so so when you sleep, your brain really gets rid of chemical waste, so to speak, uh, through this process or through this system called the glymphatic system. And really what happens is it filters out um, alamoid betas, which is um, really accumulates in the brains of Alzheimer patients. So you see your your body kind of get ridding of get, getting rid of this chemical waste. Um, and if we go back to uh, your Sherlock Holmes analogy, that's the process in which your brain begins to connect some of those dots uh, internally. And the problem is we've become a society um, that makes excuses of why we can't sleep. But we're our own hindrance. Absolutely. So, I, oh, I can't go to sleep at night. Well, you, John, you left the TV on. <laughs> you yeah. know, that, that kind of thing that you were uh, pointing to. Uh, I, I can't go to sleep at night. Well, yeah, you stared at your, 
your Instagram for an hour and a half. I, I can't go to sleep at night because- Which, which we mentioned this uh, two episodes ago. Yeah. But you're scrolling through Instagram before you go to bed. So that is on your iPad or the your blue phone. Light. Blue light. Yep. So blue light, guess what that zaps out of your body? It takes out of your body melatonin. Mm -hmm. So your melatonin levels decrease when you're looking at blue light. So you got people that are popping melatonin pills and scrolling through Instagram at the same at the same time. Yep. And uh, you're right. We're do we're doing this it, to ourselves. And we kind of we, I think we touched on this in one of the the other podcasts, but. Um, nature kind of automatically gives off blue light in the morning. Right. And nature right. gives off uh, kind of a, a more red light. A red light in the evening. So it's, again, exactly. your body's natural process. Mm -hmm. So we, uh, we trick our chemical uh, makeup of, of who we are or, or what we're supposed to be. So um, anyway, we, we make those excuses. And then we want a pity party on, on why we didn't get enough sleep. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I didn't, I didn't get enough sleep last night because of, uh, you know, I was watching a, an ESPN kind of highlight of Jordan. Okay, so, <laughs> make, it per make it personal. I'm making it personal. Uh, but, but guys, you know, I've been wearing um, this armband. Uh, it's called a Whoop Strap, and I've been wearing it for a while. So shout out to Whoop if you want to sponsor us. Um, there's the shameless plug. Uh, but I've been wearing this Whoop Strap, and really, uh, one of the things that it does, it, it looks at fitness, but it looks at sleep patterns and and uh, the way that you. Um, react or your body reacts to sleep at night. So John, uh, this one, yeah, I think you'll find this interesting just because of what you were saying with the waves. So last night, um, I think it's only fitting that last night I didn't get much sleep because we're <laughs> yeah, I'm looking, talking about I'm this. I'm looking today. at that time. There. Your boy got five hours and 14 minutes of sleep last Ooh, night. Not ideal. Uh, not, not ideal. It, it says that I was in the bed for five hours and 48 minutes. Um, I was awake for 34 minutes. So you talk about the time that it takes your brain to wind down, yeah. to go through those different phases. It took my brain 34 minutes to go through those phases. I was in a light sleep for three hours and 45 minutes. This is where it gets kind of scary. My REM sleep was only 24 minutes last night. So what are you supposed to have of REM sleep? A lot more than that. <laughs> uh, hours. I mean, you're, yeah. talking, you're talking an hour and a half to 2.15 kind of a night. When you're looking at that typical eight-hour cycle, uh, and then my is there is there something in there that chart charts how often your dogs bark during the night? It and actually wakes does. You up? It, well, <laughs> not necessarily your dogs, but it's called disturbances in, uh, in the app. Yeah, and that's so, I have two disturbances. <laughs> well, never mind. I'm gonna let that thought <laughs> flutter out. Uh, but but anyway, and the way it tracks this is off of your heart rate. So if your heart rate spikes, then it's a disturbance. You wake up, blah blah blah. Your your body's getting out of that deeper sleep. And then I was only in. Uh, deep sleep for an hour and five minutes last night. But again, as a society, uh, if we're not careful, we make excuses like, "Oh, well, I just didn't get enough sleep last night, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have a bad day today." Yeah, I would love again. I would really love to throw this challenge out to somebody that you. Why not take advantage of during this time? Go to bed when the sun goes down. Get up when the sun comes up. Try this second sleep thing, and then, uh, John, to your point, keep a keep a journal by your bed. Yeah. Keep a journal by your bed, and I want you to journal and chart what you, as you're falling asleep and maybe jerk awake or whatever, if you have an idea, journal that idea. Or how many times, um, I'm thinking about just in my life, of like you're, you've got to make a decision, right? And you've got all the clutter mm -hmm. in your brain and everybody's voices and you overanalyzed and, 
Am I going to take this job or am I going to put my kids in private school or are they going back to public school when this thing's over? All of these decisions that you have to make. And Zach, what you talked about is sleep is our body's way of flushing, flushing out the junk. Mm -hmm. And so how many times uh, do you wake up and it's the first thought? That, oh, and that's what I ask people a lot of times is, hey, go sleep on this. And then what was the first thing that popped into your brain when you woke up? That's, we, we use the, the phrase like, that's, well, that was my gut feeling or that was my intuition. Well, uh, yes, and there's a, there's, I think there's a spiritual connotation to that as well, but it's your brain going into synthesis mode of flushing out all of the junk, the mm. clutter, the toxic stuff, and those connectors that fire together. Sometimes you'll make the best decisions of your life when you first wake up in the morning of, hey, it's clear now, I get that, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with that. So just like see um, at the end of this thing, start to chart these things, and, and I wonder if your mood will be better. Yeah. I wonder if your energy levels will be better. I wonder if your creativity will be will be better. Yeah, we actually see this model, right? Like, so the boat's getting thrown around, the storm is out of control, and Jesus is sleeping. We we again to that speak to that lazy. Well, does he not care? The disciples legitimately ask, "What if he was preparing yeah. for the moment?" I mean, it's it's not just science is not just practical. I think there's biblical example of the priority that not only Jesus, but other characters in scripture place on rest. I think that the, the scripture that pointed out to me when even when Doug was just talking was his mercies are new every morning. Yeah. Well, I think part of that mercy is is allowing us to creatively think through and getting rid of all the junk in our, our brain. And I think that's God's mercy, giving us thought processes that we probably sh should, should not have had. Yeah. Well, and the ability even when we talk to God, according according again to the science, not, not to get too far back into that, but the only time that our brain can get to some of these places is not just sleep, but also prayer and meditation. Yes. Where our spirit connects with the spirit of God, calms things way down, be still and know I'm the Lord. Like it's in those moments that we see the re-energizing of our spirits okay. and bodies. So again, we're talking about the power of synthesis. What is it? Why don't we do it? How can we recover it and use its power to unlock creativity during these times in our life? And, and we're talking today about just how sleep is so vital to that. Sleep is when you engage in synthesis. It's when the connections of your brain fire across and begin to... to it's when the puzzle pieces come together. Um, it's when the so back to the back to the puzzle uh, picture. Imagine if you, if you're not sleeping well. Imagine you're putting together a 500 piece puzzle, and somebody dumped two other 500 piece puzzles on top of that. That's what your brain is doing if you're not sleeping because you're not flushing out the things that are not necessary. We live with a lot of information in the Google era that is so unnecessary to the puzzle that our brains need to put together. So if we're not sleeping, we're not flushing out those pieces. I just got anxiety thinking of somebody dumping two puzzles <laughs> on top of a puzzle uh, that no. I would be working on. So, so talk to me a little bit, boss, like... One of the issues that I think we have culturally is the inability to say, you can't dump my puzzle, I got too much. Yeah. So talk about uh, a little bit, how do you navigate that between relationships, between work, 
How do you navigate being able to choose what puzzle you're currently working on? Absolutely. I think that part of it is being okay with saying no, um, that no, no is a real answer. And no, hear this, no is a complete answer. It's good. So I don't need to explain all of my reasons why. I don't need to go into my life's history. No, thank you. No, I'm sorry. I can't take that on at this time. That is okay to say because, but, but here's what you need to define. What's your yes? Mm. So if you don't have your yes predefined, then you probably won't be able to say no and you won't have a grid for evaluating what you say no to. So I would say um, my, uh, the first thought there would be just what is your bigger yes? Like what are your goals for this day? What are your goals for this season in your life? What are the things that God is calling you to do? And then I'm okay because if I'm saying yes to other things, then, then what I end up saying no to is I end up saying no to the Lord. And I end up saying no to the things that are important mm-hmm. and essential in my, in my life. Yeah, when I, when I think of sleeplessness, so many times I think of the anxiety that drives us to sleeplessness. And being able to say no while you're awake will help you better sleep, which then, again, helps you better navigate those anxieties in the morning or those challenges in the morning. And and I think that that's critical, specifically in our Instagram. I tell you, for me personally, since Zach was being vulnerable and talking about a lack of sleep, I'm watching all these guys like reconstruct their house during, you know, (laughs) this this COVID season. And I'm sitting in my house thinking, well, I still got boards on my front porch that if my sons step on wrong, they're going to lose their ankle, right? Like, So there's some of that anxiety. And I've had to like say no to myself. Like this isn't, I'm not Bob Vila during the season. I don't have the other time that everybody else is having. And being able to say no helps me sleep better. And that is so important because in, and, and I found myself, I've caught myself doing this during messages and everything of like saying, um, hey, everybody's got a lot of time on their hands. That's not, that's, that's not, not the not case. True like some people are in, it's what we're finding is it's extremes. Yeah. So yeah. either it's shelter at home and I'm twiddling my thumbs or man, I'm working 70 hours a week. My industry, I'm working for Publix right now. Yeah. I'm working for yeah. Home Depot right yeah. now. By the way, if you haven't seen anybody in a while, they're at Home Depot or Lowe's <laughs> no in doubt. the plumbing section. But like some <laughs> industries are cranking. So we got, I got to be careful of making sure that we're addressing this, but uh, from from both standpoints. But uh, so rapid fire mode as we as we uh, close this out. We've said these things, but let me just say th- say this: the YBH, the yeah, but how? Let me say a couple of these things. So you're saying, yeah, I I, kn- I need to disengage and I need to get more sleep. What are three practical things I could do? I would say number one, have a cut off time for caffeine. So I'm not going to have caffeine after whatever that is, three in the afternoon. Number two, no screens two hours before bed. No screens two hours before bed. And number three, exercise. Getting outside and exercising 20 minutes of some good cardio. Get some sleep. Um, Engage your brain. Engage synthesis. And again, we just want to encourage you that creativity, to live a life of creativity, is to live a life of passionate discovery, curiosity, and adventure. Until next time. I'm your host, Doug Witherup. I'm here with John Hernandez and Zach Witt. Thanks for joining us. This has been the Interrobang Room.